Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast world. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery and welcome to episode seven of the season five. This is the penultimate episode of the season. <laughs> Next week we'll have a, a hostful, hopeful hostful. Uh, that's what we need. We need a hopeful hostful. We do, don't yeah, we? Yeah, I think everyone needs a hopeful hostful. Now, through the magic of... Look, we're sort of revealing, we're sort of peering behind the curtain <laughs> of the, the Slow Your Home podcast. This is the first time we've been behind the microphone since the pandemic crisis. Yes. Yes. So everything... Which is sort of esque. Everything before this has been recorded. I don't know. Was it January? It might have been February. Right. So really before coronavirus was called a pandemic, it mm. was obviously already affecting uh, parts of the world, but certainly not here. Yeah. Uh, no, you know what? Actually, might have been January, so it's probably been six weeks. Been a long since we. I think it's been recorded. a very long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the world is is very different place to that which it was when we recorded the majority of this season, um, mm. and we've sort of been in a bit of a conundrum or a pickle almost to figure out how to kind of go about talking about it because mm. I don't know about you, but I have consumed a huge amount of information over the last. Um, few weeks and I didn't want to add to the stress or the noise and I know that that's something that people really appreciate about the podcast is that it doesn't add stress and it doesn't add um, content just for the sake of creating content yeah so um, you know it's all worked out fine we we sort of it was really interesting as someone who who really focuses on slow living it was very interesting to see my personal response to how I should be responding, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, quick, yeah. we've got to, we've got to get out there, we've got to talk to our community, we've got to share how we're feeling, almost real time. And we didn't, obviously. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since things kind of got really, really gnarly here, and yeah, that's where we find ourselves. Yeah, and full disclosure, we're actually re- we're recording this a week in advance to when it's released, so. Maybe even the stuff we're talking about now is going to be redundant yeah. by the time this goes to air, goes Maybe. live. But uh, see what's not redundant. What's that? How much I just want people listening to know that we're thinking of them and that while we can't be together at this point in time, we are with them. Yeah. I'm really trying to hold a lot of space for people at the moment, you know, because I think that the, the lack of physical connection for so many, for so many of us is probably starting to take a bit of a toll. I know yep. it is on, on me. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I'm quite introverted. That's something. So, that's isn't saying it? something, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. So, you know, I, I just want you to know, listening, that we're thinking of you and we're with you and that there's a whole, whole, whole heap of people um, who are with you. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. So we thought we'd take a bit of time out of our normal schedule or a normal uh, transmission to give you a bit of an update on where we're at uh, right now. So, Let's just get into it. Let's do that. All right. I want to, first of all, acknowledge that, yes, we're feeling a little bit flat, flatter than usual. Uh, But I wanted to just firstly ask you this question. I'm going to sort of reiterate a question that was asked to me yesterday. And uh, a good friend of mine said, it feels like you guys have been preparing for this <laughs> pandemic for five years in what you've been putting out to the universe, slowing down, living intentionally. 
even the slow your home is so relevant right now. And I know that you've got feedback as well from everyone, including family on how, you know, the world is set up for you now. And this is sort of your time almost. Oh, I don't like that. I know, but I'm just trying to, I'm relaying some of the, the, the things that the people have said. What do you think about all that? It makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I can see what people are saying. And thanks, Andy, for that curly one. Um, I can see what... I may have paraphrased a little. Fair enough. Um, I can see what people mean when they say that because the vast majority of us are, um, you know, we're in some form of lockdown. Most of us are socially distancing, if not self-isolating. And with that comes a complete shift in pace. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, slow living has taught me, has given me a lot of tools over the last 10 years that have probably left me feeling better equipped to deal with this than a lot of other people I'm talking to. And that's not something to brag about. Like It's not something that I'm, you know, feeling awesome about because it's so painful and challenging for people. But, you know, I do tend to think that there are some tools and and things that I've learned, lessons that I've learned that have left me feeling, with the exception of some fairly rough moments, on the whole, I feel pretty even keeled about Mm. it. And I guess that's probably what I hope to help people with, you know, figure out what, what the big struggles are as we settle into what will be a temporary but fairly lengthy new normal. Mm. Uh, And what can I offer? What insights can I share with you? What do you need? You know, Yeah. Um, so I don't feel great when people are like, you've been in training for this for the last decade. And yeah, like, I, 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 I get what you're saying, but yeah. please don't. <laughs> yeah. You never wished a pandemic on anyone. Mm-mm. Mm. Mm-mm. So, so let's sort of break it down a little bit. And I know you want to give some really practical advice and I just don't think it's the time right now. I agree. Yeah. Um, and that maybe we can talk about what that looks like moving forward. Well, uh, yeah, I think just to insert a quick mm. No, uh, I'm hopeful that by the time this episode comes out, we would have asked over on Instagram um, questions for the hostful, and that's what next week I'm thinking will will involve. So we'll answer your questions about whatever specific things that you're struggling with, yeah, uh, and also you know any offer anything that is helping helping us at the moment too in that hostful. Yep, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's all right. I'm just thinking uh, of all the things that you've sort of learnt over the last. Decade, let's say decade. Let's do that. It makes me feel heaps old. Yeah, I know. Uh, what's the number one thing that you think is helping you the most mm. right now? Oh, man, okay. Personally and maybe like family life now. Okay. I think there's two uh, that, that are helping and they probably both apply across both of those categories. Uh, the first is to limit my inputs in terms of media, social media, news, everything. Gosh, last week, early last week, I just dove headfirst into all the information available on the whole pandemic and what different governments around the world were doing and how people were coping and all of that. I just was completely consumed um, with finding information. Uh, And that had a very negative impact on my mental health, but also my physical health. You know, I haven't been able to sleep. I'd been feeling physically sick. Mm. My heart rate was up. I got headaches and all that sort of stuff. So knowing what I've learned over the last decade, I, I recognize that that was partly just overwhelmed from the amount of inputs that I was allowing in. And I've since just put in place a couple of hours a day that are my windows in which to go looking for news and yeah. for updates. I know for a fact if some 
hugely urgent piece of information came to light outside of those windows, I would be told about it. Like I wouldn't yeah. never hear about yeah. it. Someone you know? would message you or you. If I'm you not know, the first person to read the headline, that's okay. Yeah, I totally get that. I don't need yeah. to be the person to see the breaking story. And then tell, hey, Ben, duh, because that's what it felt like. It totally. Was like, and this happened, just happened. And da, da, da. Every like, 30 seconds I was like. like I was in a newsroom. It was horrible. Yeah. You know, horrible for everyone. And that, mm. that impacted the kids as well, of course. Uh, so I think that's the first thing that has helped me a lot. But the other thing is to approach these things with, I want to say acceptance, like mm. radical acceptance. Okay. I can't control the vast majority of what's happening. I can control what I do. I can control the things that I consume. I can control my choices. I can control how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. I can control how I react to the input that I allow in, but I can't control the vast majority of what's happening. And I think that sort of letting go of the need to force control on uncontrollable factors has been really helpful. So, you know, for me, some like not talking pandemic stuff, like just when I've been learning these lesson, this lesson over the past few years, it's just allowing things to be what they are. Particularly, I mean, I'm specifically talking about things that I cannot control, things that I have absolutely no input over. And that's helping mm. because I don't need to rail against the injustice of the situation. I'd love to if that was going to change the outcome, but it's not. Yeah. And yeah. in order for me to be able to show up for my family and can I tell you, like the kids need it so much at the moment. They yeah. need us to be present. They need us to not be consumed with anger and resentment and guilt, which I'll get into later, and like all these like, this overwhelm. We we can't allow ourselves mm. for our own sakes, for the sake of our family, people we live with, people we love. I think it's really important to show up for them in every way we can. But what that also means is allowing myself to feel my feelings. Like there were a couple of days ago, I was just overwhelmed and mm. I sat in the garden and I cried my eyes out mm. and that's okay too. It doesn't, you don't need to be, you don't need to be like stoic in the face of all of this. It's just about letting things be what they are. So let your fear be fear. Don't let it consume you. You know, let your, your choices be intentional, but don't extend that beyond what you can actually control. And I think that has helped enormously. But specifically, the like the second thing I said, which was allowing myself to feel all the feelings. And there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've been feeling a lot. Yeah. Going through the whole emotional gamut. It's yeah. just been uh, amazing. And and for me, it's, it's, it's so amazing how fast it's moving. Yeah. I've never known something to move as fast other than a bushfire ripping through a country down mm -hmm. but that's what it feels like the coronavirus feels faster than that because we had like this national crisis yes. over january and december now we've got this international crisis happening yep. and it's just i cannot believe and and we've never experienced this in our lifetime my 65 plus uh, mum has never experienced no. Do you know what i mean like yeah. this is just a generational event it and is. So for me, it's just been like a bit like you. I've tried to chase it almost. Like how do I catch up to this thing to, to understand it and what are the implications? And 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 throughout the whole process, I'm like, you've got no control in this. No. You have zero control. No one has any real control at the moment, but you've got like minuscule amount of control. And it's been trying to sort of counteract how fast things are moving by trying to remain 
and be very intentional about just slowing down to a snail's pace in doing things. Mm. And that is writing emails, really hard emails um, to clients and suppliers. Like I've had really, really awkward and awful discussions with people over the last week. Yeah. And this is how fast things are going. It's like within 24 hours, slash 50% off my You lost my, half your business. My income stayed yeah. up. So just how fast that is moving, think about three weeks ago and it was just if you would have told me what had, what has Absolutely. happened, I would be like, are you serious? Yeah. So trying to really do things in a really intentional and slow, really slow manner, being very thoughtful in what I'm trying to say, I've been like trying to have just an enormous amount of patience for the kids, mm-hmm. really, really more so than I've ever tried before. And it's been really hard. But, like, it's it's just tilting way into that slow just to try and counteract that fast-paced unknown that is just steaming along. Mm. And I think we're incredibly fortunate for so many so many reasons, but we're, we're fortunate to recognise through our experiences that doing things at that slow pace doesn't mean they don't get done, you know, and I think that a lot of people, maybe people listening, but a lot of people kind of in the broader community as well have lived and worked in a society that is all about speed, it's all about efficiency, it's all about productivity. So now that everything has changed and many people are, are have either lost their jobs or are working from home in completely different kind of capacity and circumstance, they've tried to pick up their ways of productivity and efficiency and put them into this new normal. And I feel like it's just, it's not working at the moment, you know, and of course it's not going to work because all of a sudden you might be having to face up to the fact that you're going to be at home by yourself for several months. You live alone or that you're going to be helping your children through school. If you've got kids or you and your partner are trying to both work out of a one bedroom apartment, you know, whatever it might be. So none of that is normal. None of it is normal. None of that is normal. So the normal ways of doing things just aren't going to apply mm. for now. Mm. And I think that we're we're incredibly fortunate that we understand that there is another way. Yeah. You know, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think, oh, my God, the world's moving so fast. There's so much information. I know. I'm going to slow right down. Like that seems counterintuitive to a lot of people and I get it. So I guess that's something that I would love to be able to put out into the the world, you know, Mm. just choose to do things more slowly. Yeah. Choose to allow yourself to feel what's happening and be okay with the fact that none of it's normal. Mm. But it's not only not normal for you, it's not normal for anyone. It's not normal for your bosses. It's not normal for your, your friends and your family and your colleagues. And I think through that, what we really need at the moment is compassion and grace, mm. you know. I don't think there's ever been a more pertinent time that your second book, Slow, mm. is so relevant right now. And you've been getting quite a bit of feedback. I have. I've yeah. got a, It's getting pinged a lot on social yeah. media and people going back to revisit it yeah. uh, over the last couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm incredibly moved by that. I really am. I guess uh, if it can help people. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So if you're reading it at the moment or revisiting it, let me know. Tag me on Instagram. I'm at Brooke McCallery or tag us at Slow Home Pod and let me know because I want to start sharing those. Yeah, post those no- knowledge nugs. <laughs> exactly. If you go post to quote or a photo or whatever. Share um, them. Yeah, let, let us know because I'm having, uh, you know, I, I know I just said I'm feeling really well equipped to deal with this, yeah. but the other side of, of that is equally as important to share. 
having a massive crisis of confidence mm. about everything. Mm. You know, I feel like all the stuff that I've been doing with slow living pales into insignificance almost given the enormity of what's happening. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you just know. how the force of change. It is. Yeah. Um, but that change is bringing about real pain for people. And I'm not talking about having to self-isolate for three months. I'm talking that. about, yeah. you know, losing livelihoods overnight. Losing yeah. life. Exactly. I, I just wanted to really quickly mention, you picked up on a couple of themes like couples being forced into rooms to work, <laughs> you know, work from home now. Yeah. Um, Couples now having to balance that with teaching their kids from home mm-hmm. or facilitating those lessons from home. And the third one was? People who live alone. These are the things that we're act- we've actually got some really practical advice to give. Mm-hmm. Certainly you do. And through our experience in Canada, we've done all those things. Do you know what I mean? So we can actually... You know, we've we've li- we've almost lived. A- oh, <laughs> no, oh, oh, I'm not going to say it. No, but you guys know what I mean. What's happening in the world now does ha- has no comparison. Has no comparison. But I understand what you're saying in that we have lived when we were traveling in Canada and in close. We quarters. were in training for this. Sure. Okay. If you want to say it that way, go for it. <laughs> But we did we did learn what works best for totally. yep. us in very different circumstances to what our normal was. Uh, you know, you and I work in really close quarters at the moment. <laughs> We're sharing a desk. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you, know, you hear stuff. these stories about like, oh, I won't be able to work. I can't work with my. I'll kill him. Yeah. Like, serious. What's wrong with people? Well, I don't know. I get it. I don't get it. I don't. I. I don't feel like that. But I understand that people have different needs when they're working. Yeah. This is not that. But what's though. different to, to that than like a coworker? Do you oh, know what I mean? I, no, I get it. I completely understand why people would struggle with that. I don't. But I think that's that's not necessarily. Have you ever situation. thought of killing me? Like mm. you know, like. Mm. <laughs> no. There no, it is. Definitely not. Hasn't lost her sense of humour, though. Yes, because that was a joke. Mm-hmm. Or her sarcasm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that it's it's tough. I did read a, um, I saw a meme somewhere on Instagram. It's like for all those people who are having to work in close quarters with mm, mm. either a partner or a housemate or kids or whatever, yeah. like invent a co-worker. And this one said, like, let's call her Karen. Invent a co-worker, a co-worker named Apologies, Karen. Apologies, Karen. Yes, to all the Karens out there, this is, feel free to choose a different name. And Karen is the one who leaves empty coffee cups around. Karen is the one who doesn't. Doesn't put out the washing. Yep, that's Karen. So every time that happens, you can just blame Karen Karen. and come together in sorting out Karen's mess. For us, it's going to be Beryl. (laughs) She's on another level. Yeah, okay. I'm literally the only person who understands that reference. Oh, no, there's one more. There'll be one more. There's one more. Listening. Yeah. Yeah, so I think... There are things that I'd really like to share, but maybe today's not the day. I think today's more like a check-in. Uh, how are you feeling? Because everything has changed for you really quickly. Yeah. Time. I mean, as I was saying, like everyone, just rolling with the punches at, at this point. And I really, it, it might even be too soon to really comprehend what is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm in a field of work where I'm the sort of the first out of the door. I can be cut quite easily. Yeah. Um, and I'm on like a cost center that can be easily just cut off and who needs PR and marketing support in, in times like this where so maybe 
other organisations may may choose to, to to pursue that. But I I totally understand it, yeah. and and that's what I've been saying to people. I was totally understand this decision, uh, and you know I, I kind of it, I kind of feel proud. I've never been sort of fired or shown the door because of my work. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's taken a global pandemic for me to be. No longer needed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know that's a. I'm trying to spin it in my mind at the moment, and that's that's what I'm what I'm doing. I'm, silver lining. Silver lining, mm-hmm. exactly. And I'm I'm just sort of reminding myself that, and and then also thinking about already what are some ways that we I can do things differently already. And I know I don't want to go to solution mode. I know it's really important that hey, this thing hasn't even run its course yet. But I'm seeing a lot of people get online already and going the next best thing in technology or it's a product or you know yeah. like people are just sort of trying to jump on this e-commerce tech bandwagon yes and i totally understand that but I'll, i'm trying to you know preach from the i'm going to mix metaphor this up big time preach uh singing from the song sheet okay and I, I still did it still mixed it up yeah i'm just, just trying to take my own advice and just slow down and just really think about things mm. before i Put anything in, into action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's good. Good to catch up with you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, my brain's quite discombobulated at the moment. Don't know about yours. So moving swiftly along, I. Sorry for boring you. No, no, not from you. Moving swiftly along from me, right. just being a little bit uh, all over the place. I floated the idea on Instagram a couple of days ago about doing some live video calls with our community just quite literally with no agenda whatsoever other than let's come together, sit down with your coffee or your beer or your glass of wine or your tea or whatever, um, depending on what time of day it is for you, and let's chat. Technically, I don't know how that's going to work given that the internet's a little dicey here um, in Australia now that everyone is working remotely, Um, but that's what I'd like to do. So if you don't already follow me on Instagram, I will definitely announce it there and it will happen. Uh, I probably have already done one by the time you're hearing this, but, um, you know, that's something that I'm thinking of doing for the next couple of weeks just to check in and see how people are doing. Uh, You and I have been talking about maybe doing something over on Patreon for our Patreon. Some some listeners might remember we actually did for a while there, uh, about a year, like a listener chat type exclusive on patreon mm. where we we hopped on and, and people people just asked us questions it was like a live sort of host for but more sort of specific questions that came through so we, yeah we're thinking of doing something like that or, or or maybe not exactly that but like a like a check-in with us via video basically yeah so anyway we'll keep you updated yeah. on, what, on what that is i do have some news to share probably next week about the online retreat yep. um i do think that it has a lot to offer, offer at the definitely. moment uh, and I'm thinking about bringing it forward a bit. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm also trying to finish my book. Your book. Your book. That is not going well. Yeah. And I, I've got to just ask you that question. But before I do, quick one. Uh, the next season of the podcast. Yeah. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, I can share what I know, which is not a lot at the moment. But we're definitely bringing the production of that forward. I've already recorded a couple of episodes it wasn't due to start until almost the end of May, but I think we'll probably roll this season almost straight on into season six. I'm doing interviews. I'm back to interviewing people. And while I don't want all of the conversations to be all about the current crisis, uh, that's where we're at at the moment. And this podcast has always been a pretty honest reflection of where we're at. 
So, you know, the people that I'm talking to are are like um, I interviewed Robin um, Rosenfeld from Pip Magazine last week. Uh, I'm interviewing M Ellers from Eco with M. I interviewed um, Louise, who is a um, she's like a slow productivity expert. And they all have things to share that will be applicable at all times, but specifically applicable now. So if you have any suggestions, drop us a line. Um, Hello at slowyourhome.com. And I I am imagining that this next season won't look like previous seasons in that maybe we'll release episodes as and when they're ready rather than on a really strict weekly schedule like normal, because I think that I'm having the conversations in order to help people. I'm not going to sit on them for three weeks or a month, you know, so that I fit a schedule. Yeah. 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 But again, I don't know. That's mostly my answer for most things at the moment. I don't know. It's just changing by the minute. Yeah, and that's okay. Just kind of letting it be. So your guest for the second half of this episode is the lovely... Elisa. So Elisa I spoke with in episode seven of season four. She blew me away with her honesty in that episode. You might remember that she she was really grappling with the idea of slow as someone who was self-identified as a type A person. You know, how do those two things fit? And I had a wonderful conversation with Jackie Carr at the end of Elisa's episode who had some, as always, wisdom to drop. So I caught up with Elisa. This was probably a couple of months ago now. So again, pre-pandemic times. But she shares a lot of what she kind of went through after we, we first spoke. And again, she's just so brilliantly honest and full of self-insight and reflection that I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, And also she and I talk about one of her biggest challenges, which she didn't mention in our first episode together, um, the fact that she's a parent to um, one of her kids has medically complex needs. And she talks about that as well, Mm -hmm. which I'm incredibly grateful for her doing because I know that there's a lot of parents in our community who are in a similar situation and it doesn't get discussed very often. Yeah. So we go through what that looks like for her and, you know, how she's using the things that we spoke about last time to help her kind of find her focus and find, you know, the groove that, that fits for her family. I think it's really important also for listeners just to consider that conversation and the reality of today. Absolutely. And what that would look like. We were talking about that this morning. You know, it's challenging enough. We've got two kids who are, they have no medically complex needs at all. They're, you know, neurotypical kids. Um, We've had the benefit of teaching them from home for 18 months. Mm. So we kind of had our toolbox, a bit rusty and dusty, but we had it. Yeah. And it's still bloody hard. Like we're on easy street in comparison to a lot of people. Mm. So to every parent out there who is struggling... I'm with you. It's not easy. And please, please be kind to yourself. Mm. You don't need to be school. You don't need to deliver a um, a rigid routine for your children every day. You don't need to tick every box that they would be having ticked at school because you are also home. You're a parent. And your kids need you to be home as well. They need you and your, your space to remain that safe place of home. Um, so if all you can do one day is to sit and watch a movie together or read a book together or play a game together, that's okay. Mm. There's a lot of information floating around on the internet at the moment on how to maximize this time and how yeah. to, you know, yeah. how to, to kick multi, all the goals. That's multitask self, self-isolation. And I, I wrote about it in my slow post last week, but it's very capitalist, you know, that approach of maximizing all of this spare time that we mm. apparently have. Mm. I don't know about you. I don't have any spare time at the moment. Um, let go of all of that. 
this has never happened before. We're in completely unprecedented times. So don't try and pick up the old normal and try and squeeze it into the new. That's what I was kind of referencing before when I was talking about guilt that people are carrying around at the moment. Thank you for that callback. That was important to get back to. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad I did too because I needed to hear that. Yeah. I like I myself needed to recognise that the expectations I had for a little while there were ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm probably not going to learn an, an instrument and a language and build an amazing vegetable garden and finish my book and it's just not gonna happen. No. You know. So Yeah. Find something that makes you feel lit up and, and do a little bit of that every day would be my advice in, in that. And regardless of what it is, maybe that's just sitting in the sun for ten minutes. Yeah, exactly. So, so never never been a more important time to slow down. Slow your home. <laughs> I really, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I was going to get mm-hmm. power of three, but okay. you interrupted. Oh, you go for it. I don't know. I've got nothing. All right. This has been a rough cut and a hot take. That's what I call. That's us. Yep. I call you the hot take. <laughs> anyway, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Elisa because she is awesome and I'm grateful to her. Uh, and... Head over to slowyourhome.com slash season five for Mm -hmm. the show notes to this episode. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Alisa, hello. How are you? Hi, Brooke. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am all the better for speaking with you. You know, I find myself thinking about our conversation last year a lot. And I know that I'm not alone because I received a huge number of emails referencing our conversation from season four. And before we get into it, I just wanted to let you know how much I appreciated you showing up in the way that you did and sharing so thoughtfully and humanly as you did in our chat. It meant a lot to me and it meant a lot to a lot of people listening. So um, thank you. Well, I can thank you as well because I have referenced that conversation a lot and I've listened to it a lot, and often I feel like it is nice to know that other people listen to and it resonated with them. Well, I think, there, I mean, there was a huge number of things that you and I hit on that seemed to really hit the mark with people. But it was your, um, particularly your honesty around the idea of slow living and how it didn't necessarily, like, you love the idea of it and the idea of it was appealing, but it ended up feeling a bit like a constraint for you in the end that I think really resonated with people because. There's a lot of people who felt much the same. They're like, yes, this is appealing, but this is actually um, stopping me from doing things or making me feel bad about wanting to try things or having additional requirements of my time or commitments. Um, And they ended up feeling bad about these changes they were trying to make rather than feeling empowered. So when you and I settled on the idea of intention, I think that was a real moment for a lot of people. Has that affected you and, you know, the way that you're living and the choices you're making over the last couple of months? Well, it's interesting. After we talked, um, some challenges came up in the family that tested my resilience and my ability to be intentional. And I really fell back into some unintentional habits in terms of how I cared for myself. I finally had to catch up and look at myself and say, this isn't how you wanted to do things. Part of rectifying that was regrouping and just going back to what was making me feel better before and making some more deliberate choices and making the time to do that. Yeah, things started cropping up in the family. We have our oldest son, which I didn't mention last time, has some special needs. 
and he's in a specialized school. And so things with him are a little different than it would be with a neurotypical kid. Um, that causes added stress, I'm just trying to figure out what's best for him at any given moment. Um, not to say that figuring out what's best for any child at any given moment isn't stressful in and of itself, but it's a different kind of stress. Yeah. And it's a different, um, I'd say just looking at different resources, wading into worlds that you don't necessarily feel very familiar with can be pretty daunting. I can only imagine that like, there's typical needs um, for kids and then there's complex needs and that's not necessarily a conversation that you're going to be able to have with every parent that you meet. Would that be an additional strain? Absolutely. Um, I would say that where I live, I'm very fortunate that I do have a lot of friends that are dealing with very similar things and so we can be brutally honest with each other, which helps a ton, um, but also fairly visible to the extent that we're comfortable with it, mm -hmm. just being um, kind of allowed with our with our struggles. Um, that isn't the case with other friends I know that have similar issues that live other places. No matter what the situation is, it is just an added layer of stress and feeling that not everybody's going to be able to connect with you or understand you, mm -hmm. or that um, your needs at any given moment, your stressors are not going to be very relatable, which is not to say that I don't appreciate the support that I have. I do, but it, it, is, it can be very isolating. It can test your resilience. And I think also feeling as fortunate as I do to have good resources here, there is a tendency to feel like I should suck up things that are hard and just feel lucky mm -hmm. and not really express that hard is still hard. I would say that one thing that I've learned is that when things are hard, they're just hard yeah. and they don't have to be the most hard, the least hard harder than everybody else in the world. They're just hard and everybody needs to be able to say like, I'm having a bad time or I just need someone to listen. We need to be, I guess, struggles to feel valid regardless, you know, and acknowledged. Very much so. And we have to stop feeling like our frustration in dealing with them um, is a judgment on our own effort or merit or um, ability, I, I think, you know. And it goes back to one of the things we talked about last time is that when you have the mentality of always reaching for your next gold star or always having to hit your mark, feeling like you're not doing that, especially when it comes to your child, is extremely stressful. Mm. Um, that, that can be just tough to deal with, which is one, one more reason why my default was kind of everybody else you know, has more severe needs than I do around me and I need to just deal with them all, all the time. Um, whether that's dealing with my older son or dealing with my younger son so he doesn't feel short, like he's getting short shrift in his own development, or whether making sure that my husband and I aren't like ships passing in the night, both trying to do the best we can for our boys. So, you know, I think I definitely, when, when things got a little rocky with our older son and with other things going on, I just definitely defaulted to they put myself last, you know, eat, let myself eat badly not good enough sleep, back on coffee mentality. And I was, and then I felt all the waves of, ugh, I was doing so well, and look, I screwed it up, and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, I was able, I, I'd say for the first time in a long time, to really stop going into that mode and say, look, you're doing a lot better than you were. You're recognizing the things that make you feel better and worse you know that in and of itself is big progress mm -hmm. and feeling like that mattered and like I, I wanted to keep making changes was really important so I, I would say now what I'm working on is my resilience so that when things go rocky because they always will no matter what 
context that it doesn't hit me like such a big upset, like such a wave. It doesn't knock me over quite as much. It just can wash over me in, in a way that doesn't totally knock me over. Right. Um, and I think that's that's important. I know that after we talked, when I was thinking about kind of where my progress has been, um, my progress has been in my in lessening my reactions to things getting harder or changing suddenly. You know, before it would put me into more of a long-term spiral of when is this going to end? What is the outcome going to be? What does this mean to the future? And now I'm able to just see things in more of a, a short time, time frame, present moment and just deal with it and let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to not let that upset my own routine quite as much as it has been. Everything you just described sounds remarkably like building resilience to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I think resilience is my keyword for for 2020. That's a brilliant word. And definitely a value that I, I find very important for both me and also for my kids. Um, it's something I want to show them how to do. Mm. But also that means letting myself do it right. and, and model it and thinking about what that really means. And sometimes it means letting yourself fall to the floor but getting up. And I think that's the key, that, like, the, the difference, isn't it, between um, like, understanding ideas like resilience or courage. It's not that things don't knock us down. It's not that things aren't hard or scary. It's that we show up anyway. You know, exactly. you, you get up, you show up scared, you you stand back up even after you've been knocked down. Uh, and that's messy. Like that's not textbook kind of fairy tale stuff. That's guts and blood and tears and all of it. But the result is that you up on your feet again. You know, and I think that's maybe where you're finding yourself at the moment, like in the muck of that getting back up, you know, and you said you 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 fell back into those well-worn tracks of of habits and choices that you had been making a couple of years ago. Um, and that's completely to be expected. like they they're comfortable for a reason. They're well worn because we have trod those tracks so many times. And when things change and they get tough, like we just shift back there because even though it's uncomfortable in a different way, there's comfort in that um, familiarity of those choices. But the difference is you recognize that that's where you were and you allowed yourself the grace to be there and to step out of them again as and when you can. And that's phenomenal. It's been important for me to let myself be messy and be forgiving about that. Yeah, you know, I, I tend to think of myself in very extreme ways. You know, I'm either a mess or I'm a warrior. Mm-hmm. And, and especially, you know, in the special needs community, at least here, there's a lot of warrior uh, language. You know, as how we parent because you're in fight or flight mode so much dealing with things. And I'm really trying to fight against that for myself because I don't want to be on that fight or flight response all the time. That is really taking a toll on me. Mm. So it's important for me to both let myself be messy, but also regroup in a softer way and not feel like, you know, it's okay not to feel like I'm 100% strong today, which doesn't mean I don't want to gather from my well of resilience, but that's my rest, my decent food intake, my not clutching coffee, like it's my life depends on it. You know, it's a, it's a store of self-compassion rather than relentless energy mm-hmm. and that's really it it's not about getting it right it's almost just about walking gently and just keeping walking it's not about you know making some great change or great result it's it's just keep moving and just doing it with some sort of self-grace yeah um 
I mean, I'm, I'm looking around like right now, as I mentioned, when I when we turn on the, the Skype, um, I'm sitting in bed because right after this, I'm going to sleep because I'm not getting enough sleep and I'm trying to reprioritize sleep. So I've been kind of going to my bedroom right after my kids fall asleep so that I'm just there and I fall asleep earlier because I know I need to. And I'm looking around this room and you know what? It could be more picked up. It could be less messy. My whole kind of purging, shedding journey is not necessarily making my house look pristine, but I, I do feel a lot more like I'm breathing. I, you know, I'm letting myself breathe in my house more and just breathe in my routine. And um, I'm giving myself a lot of just opportunities to be still. Mm. I think that is important. And you know, two years ago, when you said, look back at your two-year-old self and tell that person what changed, um, I really wasn't giving myself a lot of time to pause and breathe. Even though those moments were available, I just wasn't letting myself see them because everything felt so stressful. I wasn't letting myself kind of complete the stress response and get out of that fight or flight scared place that, oh no, what's going to happen next? What's mm-hmm. going to happen? You know, I have to say to myself, you don't know what's going to happen next. So you have to be able to not anticipate it, but just deal with whatever comes. You know, anticipatory anxiety is a real problem. Right. And what does that look like for you? You know, kind of letting go of trying to anticipate the next requirement of your time and energy. How do you, how do you kind of remain fluid? Um, again, I think it's giving myself a lot of pause, you know, carving out time in the day when I know I'm going to just do something by myself. So I'm not being peopled to mm-hmm. death with other people's needs, wants, input, issues, Um I've been listening to a lot of instrumental music on my phone to keep myself off my phone. Yeah. I find that even in the car, I've been putting on classical music or jazz just so I'm not getting hearing language all the time. That That's actually been a huge help because I realized how much of uh, input was just running me over. You know, my own head was spinning like a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. And then I was getting all this other input every time I talked to somebody, picked up something, listened to the news read something because I read all the time. So all that input was really wearing in ways that I didn't fully appreciate until it was gone. Right. So I would, I would definitely recommend trying that to people to just get away from voices as much as you can for some part of the day. It actually makes a difference. I agree 100%. I went through a very similar kind of process of eliminating inputs for a while a few years ago. And one of the first things um, that went was my voracious podcast listening habit because I found that every time I had a spare moment, if I was cooking dinner, if I was cleaning, if I was going for a walk, if I was in the car, there was inputs and ideas and really wonderful ideas and really thought-provoking ideas. The ideas aren't the problem. The volume of them was the problem. And when we're constantly cramming in, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to allow ourselves to have output or to even just roll around in our own thoughts and and kind of get comfortable with them. It's easier to keep cramming in than to get comfortable with silence or with our own thoughts or with boredom or the thoughts that come up in that time. Still, I'm still not as comfortable with silence as I'd like to be, Mm -hmm. which is why I keep music on because... It's a happy medium between feeling like I have space to fill and overfilling that space. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it is. Yeah. It, it is beautiful. And that's necessary. Absolutely. Beauty is necessary. Beauty and art and creativity and things that make you feel just by absorbing music or just, you know, 
whatever it is. If for some people it's going for a walk in nature or going to a gallery or a museum or listening to beautiful music. Beauty is so important. Yeah, that's really uh, that's a really wonderful shift. I'm really happy to hear that. I would also say that having backed away from some things that are making me that were making me feel better, I realized I missed them. Okay, and that made more important. So I'm slowly going back to things that were actually making me feel better. When I started drinking coffee again, because I immediately felt that old, overtired feeling because of the caffeine, and I noticed changes in my sleep. Mm-hmm. I noticed changes in my mood, my affect, and I'm slowly pulling away from that because I noticed how much I didn't like that change. So sometimes going back to things that don't serve you is a good way to doing the things that do serve you. Yeah. You notice the difference. And I don't think I would have, I think without a, you know, a long, good experiment that worked, I wouldn't have even noticed how different I had achieved feeling. I think this time around, I'm digging a little bit deeper and making things a little more meaningful and personal and slower so that I'm not expecting everything to happen all at once and I'm not constantly goal-seeking. Right. I'm really just trying to make things truly flow better without without looking for an end game. Because immediately when I started going backwards in my mind, I mean, you can hear the language I'm using, I'm going backwards. I started beating myself up and being judgmental. And then I really just wanted to stop. You know, I, I, this is not, I don't, I want to get away from that self-judgment and just say, okay, you're, you're not doing things that serve you very well. How can you care for yourself a little more nicely? How can you show how much that's important to you? Um, rather than beating myself up saying, you know, you screwed up again, you did this, you did that. It's really just, how do you make yourself more of a priority? Yeah, that's it. And crowding out some of those, you don't even necessarily need to try and change those those like those so called negative choices, but crowd them out with other things. Crowd them out with things that make you feel good. You know, you don't have to stop doing these things if occasionally you enjoy it. Fine, but let's add something in that really lights you up. That really you did miss when you stopped doing it. That does result in you feeling better. Um, you know, whether that's prioritizing your sleep or, you know, taking a walk or listening to beautiful music for 20 minutes a day and just letting that be the thing that you're doing in that time. That's kind of creating this beautiful groundswell of positive actions that leave you feeling positive. And, you know, the other stuff's going to ebb and flow because that's life. Yeah. Yeah. I know I asked you to, uh, we, we spoke about doing a few kind of homeworky tasks when we spoke uh, last time. I know that you're you enjoy getting a gold star, <laughs> so I don't want to make this something that that is another you know gold star moment. You've spent a lot of time thinking about yourself of two years past, and the other thing that we spoke about was kind of getting more clarity on your values, your personal values. Did you spend time um, working through the values exercise? I did, and I, and I know, I, and I did write you about this, but as I kind of continue my experience, the one that really does resonate with me so strongly, again, is that, that idea of resilience, yeah. you know, honesty and resilience. Um, and those, those are really like, I feel like if I can live those for myself and you know, tell myself the truth and work on what I need to just keep going gracefully, which means without self-judgment, mm. not not you know, gracefully in the Audrey Hepburn beautiful sense, although I love her, 
but gracefully in the kind of living lightly without a lot of sledgehammer judgment. And if I can do that and work on my resilience, I feel like that's what I want to embody more than other things. The other things are, and I feel like those are the things my kids need. You know, those are the things both of my kids need to just keep going. Um, I'm not going to be able to keep them from every discomfort. I don't want to do that. I want to teach them how to navigate the things that are hard without letting it stop them in their tracks and knock them over permanently. You know, things are going to knock them down. They're going to need to know how to get up. Yeah. Um, and I and I would say that's especially important for me to model for my older son because his challenges can be very frustrating for him and so and for all of us. So if I don't embody how to calmly get through frustration in a way without getting uh, overly judgmental and upset. I, I, I'm doing him such a disservice. And the same thing for his little brother, because, you know, if I don't teach him how to get himself calmed down and go back to bed, you know, he's going to fall down. He's going to skin his knee. He's going to, he's going to cry. He's going to have disappointments. It, it's all about just keeping going yeah. and not letting any one thing be the catastrophe. You do embody those values from what I see and hear of where you're at and how you're living and the choices that you're making. And I think that it's clear and understandable why after our conversation and when things got rocky, you kind of felt like you ended back up at, at zero again. But I think that A, you didn't. <laughs> it's a very different place <laughs> that you landed. Um, and B, the idea of intention of showing up and being present and making choices that is the lens through which you are doing all of these things, even allowing yourself to end up where you, you felt you ended up after our, our last conversation. And when things got, got hard, you intentionally allowed yourself to be there. And I think that by allowing and kind of having ease around some of those, those challenges and difficulties kind of counterintuitively allows us to navigate them more readily if we just allow them to be what they are and if you face them with your values of resilience and compassion and grace I, I i can't think of a better role model for your children i really can't i think it's phenomenal the nice thing is has been to tell myself whenever i kind of catch myself doing something destructive like this morning when i after a little bit of a rocky morning i pulled out my girl scout cookies and i eat it more than I wanted to because I didn't want to eat any. And yes, I just defaulted to grabbing the cookies at, at nine o'clock in the morning. And then I looked and I'm like, you have a choice. You can put this back. And I did. And the rest of the day went a lot better and mm -hmm. I made better choices for myself. And, you know, tomorrow I'm going to try not to pull the box back out. <laughs> and that's a choice too. But it wasn't going to ruin my whole day or make me say like, oh, you know, you're doing it again. Here you are. Um, I feel like there's a nice, there's a good shift there that is still very much evolving because I know I'm going to have plenty more mornings where I'm going to want to eat cookies for breakfast and either I can choose to let those cookies rule me or I can say, that's not going to make me feel better right now, is it? It's just something I think is going to make me feel better. It's just not actually going to do it. Right. And therein is the difference. Elisa, you've inspired me enormously in our conversation, in, in your emails as well since we last spoke. But uh, thank you for sharing so, again, so openly and honestly. And honestly, I, I truly, I mean it when I say that you are embodying those values and honesty was the other one that you, um, that you highlighted. I think if the world was full of more people living with 
honesty and resilience at the core of what they do um, with compassion and that lack of or that that removal of judgment over time uh, it would look very different for a lot of us so thank you thank you very much it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I always enjoy listening to you and I I appreciate for you continuing to create the space to have these conversations because they're ones that we don't have often enough and that's certainly true for me so I appreciate the chances to give voice to some of these things in my head that need to come out and need to come out of all of us specifically I'm I'm so glad that you you felt like you could share what you did with us today because I know that there are a significant number of people who are in our audience who will relate so much to where you're at with yourself, with your family, with the complex needs of, of one of your kids and everything that that looks like. There aren't many conversations that are happening at the moment and I, I just, on behalf of those people who have asked me to speak with parents of kids with complex needs, um, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I appreciate it enormously. And I also would like you to go and have a good night's sleep. (laughs) Thank you, Elisa. I'll talk to you soon.